every ounce of training you put in leading up to this fight will be a waste of your life. Okay, welcome to The Knockout, Leicester's number one MMA podcast and the only part of Joe Rogan we actually like to listen to. Okay, and welcome back. So uh, today's episode's actually going to be a little fun, businessy kind of thing. So we're talking about the current state of the UFC and some of my personal issues with the UFC and how it's run and some things that I think should be changed. But before that, we've got a little bit of news in the combat sports world. So, of course, most recently, uh, as of literally yesterday, Darren Till has been cut from the UFC roster. You know, it's a real shame. I mean, for me, at least, I'm, I'm, I'm a... As much as Darren Till has sucked over the last you know few years, I, I really love Darren Till. And I think, you know, there's a lot of wasted potential. When that guy came on the, when that guy came on the scene, it was... I don't know, he was just, he was just so exciting, his personality was great, and, you know, seeing him get pushed so early and, and now having, struggling to even get wins over guys who really should be running over, um, but it is, it is, you know, I think hopefully he can go somewhere like BKFC or Bellator or, or even the PFL now with, with Jake Paul signing with those guys, um, and maybe he can find some success there and, and get his way back up, um, beyond that, of course, you've got the, uh, speaking of Jake Paul, actually, uh, the weekend just gone, we uh, we saw the Jake Paul-Tommy Fury fight. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a casual boxing fan. I think with boxing, I have an issue where, you know, it's a lot of it. It's just about money now, and, and the fights we want don't really get made. Um, thankfully, Javante Davis and Brian Garcia is happening. Hoping for, for Fury Usyk, or even a Fury... Um, God, what's his name? Yeah, the other guy. The other guy Fury might be fighting. Not Usyk, the bigger one. Um... I mean, we occasionally get fights, but with a lot of boxing, it's just, it's politics. Um, but we actually had two fights. So we had Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. Of course, if you haven't seen it, spoilers. Uh, Jake Paul lost by split decision. Um, a really uh, close fight, I'd say. Um, he really, Jake really proved himself a little bit. But, of course, Tommy, with all that weight on his shoulders, proved he was the better boxer and came out on top. And, you know, it's fun. Hopefully we'll see them fight again and, and that'll be another great thing to watch. On the other side of that, we also saw Floyd Mayweather are fighting again for some reason, fighting some dude from the Geordie Shore in another like weird, vain attempt for Mayweather to fund his shitty money habits. It is what it is. Mayweather has become kind of a joke in boxing, I'd say. He's become worse than Jake for me. You know, at least Jake, as much as he doesn't fight, you know, the, the traditional boxing opponents that everyone wants, at least Jake seems to kind of want to make this a serious attempt. I think Floyd... Floyd's in it for the money. He's not even going to put his legacy online. He just does it because, you know, he thinks it's fun. Picks a pump he can easily run through. Um, it's just a vain ego trip for Floyd. And, and I think that, for me at least, I'm losing a little bit of respect for Floyd. Um, man, you just, just give up, dude. Just just go back. Just just make a just make a business. Like, you don't need to keep fighting. No one wants to see you keep fighting. And if you are going to keep fighting, fight someone who fits your... I don't know, fight someone who, who is actually a worthy opponent for you because... You know, punching that low is just, it's just not, it's just not cool, man. And, you know, respect to the guys, you know, Deji, Logan Paul, um, this Joy Shaw guy, his name I cannot remember for the life of me. There's no disrespect to them, like, anyone would want to fight for him ever, anyone would want to fight him, that is, 
the amount of money that is there is just incredible. So no, obviously, I'm obviously I'm just knocking those guys. You would absolutely want to fight Floyd. It is a level of experience you will use for years to come. But I just think Floyd should. I don't know what Floyd's game is, and it should become pathetic. And and you know, it's just a bit shitty. But enough about boxing. Let's talk about MMA. Now, something that kind of sparked this idea with me was thinking recently about the whole situation with Francis Ngannou and his situation with uh, with him and Dana White and their kind of weird new rivalry they've started up. Um, you know, Francis, of course, left the UFC uh, a month or so ago. Maybe, I think it's just a couple of months ago now. And um, upon his departure, Dana's kind of made a really big point to just kind of almost slander Francis publicly and try and negate and hide the actual reasons Francis left the company. Now, you know, we don't really know the true reason. We don't really know what's behind closed doors. But from what we've seen, and of course from Dana's history, we kind of know a little bit of the truth. So if you know, uh, Francis was quite heavily fighting for uh, fighters' rights and fight improvement of fighter pay, improvement of fighter health care, you know, all these kind of things to make just a fighter a little bit more protected, more like a boxer is. Um, and mixed martial arts kind of have a similar things, but of course Dana, Dollar Dana, doesn't like that because that means he has to spend more on people who he really could care less about. And you know that's the dispute. And obviously, Dana now is making it all about the money, because that's the easy way out. Say so Francis is scared of John Jones. He's scared of this. He's scared of that. Oh, he doesn't want the money. And and you know that's shitty of Dana. But when do we expect when do we expect anything else from Dana? I'm not here to rag on Dana, but Dana has a history. We all know what Dana says. We all know what Dana thinks. You know, we kind of he's he's kind of like the the weird uncle, who we kind of like. You know, if if we could, we would replace him. But you know, it is what it is. You know, he makes fun fights. Yeah, Dana's always a complicated situation. He's a bit of a knobhead, but you know, he makes good fights, and you know, when he needs to get the job done, he gets the job done. But it is what it is, right? So, this leads me into my first thing about the US at the moment is, it's it's the fighter treatment, you know. Fighters get injured all the time. You know, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor, I can't say words today. Conor McGregor got his leg just fucking snapped in half during his Dustin Poirier fight. And, you know, he's healed, it's been a year, all good. But you think if a fight with the bottom of the card had that same injury, would it be as easy to be, like, recovery? You know, Conor's the richest guy in the world. No problem for him, but... In terms of fighting healthcare, if you're a guy who's fighting the bottom of the card and that injury that fucking serious happens to you, your career could be over. You could be done. And the UFC couldn't give two shits about you. Um, of course, Dana's love of money means that a lot of fighters miss out, you know. Well, not, you know, a lot of the argument that Dana likes to put on is, oh, well, Conor makes X amount of money, champions make X amount of money. But these top-level guys aren't the fighters they're talking about. It's not the fighters you want to protect, because these are the guys who make enough to, to happily be fine. We're talking about the guys on the bottom of the card, the guys who run the prelims, you know, the people who really don't get paid that much. When you take into account, when you take into account all the expenses they have to pay. It's just a decision of the UFC is complicated. It's one of those things where there's better play, there's better pay in other organizations, but you'll never get the unification and the the audience that you'll get 
with the UFC. The UFC is the way you get noticed. But, you know, it's it's one of those, it's a complicated situation. Um, for me, at least the way the UFC works right now, is it, it functions, you know. There, there's, been, there's been worse states to the UFC. Um, guys like Connor have opened the door to people who maybe not be the most technically sound guys who maybe are, are lacking in some game. But have been able to make genuine names for yourself because they found the the switch of just if you sell enough pay per views, Dana will give you the chances. I also think of guys like Volkanovski. I mean, Habib opened the door. He made us to a technical fighters getting more of a um, a light, you know, making it technique being you know guys like Islam and Volk, who are just so in just so much better than everyone else, that they are able to rise up by simply just being dominant. Yeah, it's the, the way the UFC works now is it kind of two separate paths to get to the top. And some guys fit in both guys like Colby Covington, who is so whose technique is great. And arguably, if Kamar Usman didn't exist, if Kamar Usman had never joined the UFC, Colby would be champion right now. Um, and we all know it. Um, so I guess my point I'm trying to get to, as much as I'm rambling... Uh, and kind of probably making no sense, is I think the UFC at the moment is kind of broken. And I think the root of that brokenness comes from Dana White. Um, and this is not going to become a Dana White hate parade, because Dana has done great things for the UFC. You know, the deals he's made with with um, ESPN, the stuff he's done in terms of just making the company bigger. Um, Dana White's contender series is great for finding new fighters. Tough is a fucking brilliant idea. But I think Dana, Dana's sort of a, a half-in-half-out kind of guy in terms of, you know, the way he... His ego is kind of fragile. And that fragile ego stops him from being completely great. You know, uh, he dances some amazing cards. And he does some amazing shit. And sometimes he's fucking brilliant. But sometimes, like, when his, his complete hatred of, of Ariel Hawani and his just outward... His outward need to, to voice his opinions on, on certain things like on Nganu... Or, again, or Hawani, or, you know, Steve Mazzagatti, who... I'm not defending Steve Mazzagatti here. Steve Mazzagatti is an absolute stupid idiot and should never be anywhere near a fucking octagon ever again. That guy is the worst referee to ever exist. But Dana kind of lacks a certain professionalism when it comes to people he doesn't like that I think hurts the UFC more than helps. You know, his public image isn't the best. Um... The fucking Power Slap League. Right, the Power Slap League is the thing I want to talk about real quick. The Power Slap League is the single dumbest thing I've ever seen the UFC do. And it it kind of infuriates me that Dana's now got this sudden need to make that his thing. But is but is he's he's sort of he chases the money. But even to the point where it's like that isn't gonna make you money then Jones coming back or the the fight for half power number one between Makashev and Volkanovski. There's a just a ah oh, I don't know how to explain it, but that's kind of I think I wanted to discuss real quick. Um, yeah, I kind of I feel like I'm just spitting random words because my it's hard to articulate a little bit because there's kind of the UFC is broken in a way that if you were to dive in, it would take so long to kind of pull those those internal systematic things apart. I think there is a big issue with. Um, the whole drama sales thing, the whole guy sells the most, you know, is top of the card. And I think it works for guys like McGregor or with guys like Colby or Jones because it's like they have skills to back up that talk. But 
I think that hurts a lot of guys. Like, for example, DJ, Demetrius Johnson, when he was in the UFC, of course, now he's in one championship and absolutely killing it. Um, those are all-time fights. I'll say it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you haven't seen them, watch them. Fucking hell. Like, just some of the most beautiful mixed martial arts I've ever seen. So, guys like DJ and, um, you know, okay, I've had to struggle for a while with it too, of these guys who don't really do the trash talk, but are technically really solid and are dominant as fighters, don't get the limelight that, they, that, they, that other guys will. Like, guys like Jorge Masvidal get crazy limelight, or used to it, so it's not so much now, but did, even though, in terms of his skill, almost everyone in the top 15 at welterweight could run him to the ground. He's, you know, he's Jimmy George, but it's kind of things where, like, because he's so good on the mic, or was so good on the mic, it propels him further when, you know, other guys who are probably more deserving of those big paychecks don't get it because they don't have the, or they don't, they don't want to get involved in those kind of um, on-mic arguments. Um, yeah. Kind of half and half, I think, for me. But yeah, I mean, I could, we could have this awkward debate all day where I will struggle to find points uh, without coming off too much of, like, a, a Dana hater or, or someone who just fucking hates the UFC <laughs> or hates guys who don't get the credit. So I'm going to pivot a little bit here. And, you know, this episode, this episode doesn't really make sense. Um, this isn't a focused episode like the last two, this is just kind of me rambling about MMA to you, which is what most conversations I have with people are. So we're going to kind of pivot a little bit and talk more about um, the Darren Till thing. I think that's a good thing to talk about and, and how it actually expands into into a thing that I think a lot of fighters are facing in the last couple of years is a fighter slump. So of course Darren Till, um, like I mentioned earlier on in the, the episode, was a guy who, when he first joined the UFC, was was pretty fucking good. Like, he was on a pretty good run. I think he had four or five wins um, straight. And then the UFC kind of, rather than nurturing that talent and being like, well, we'll give him another couple of years or we'll give him a few months. It was just like, fuck it, give him a title shot. And then Woodley just killed him. Um, and you look back at that and just set him down. And once he was beaten, it just became, he just sort of fell down that ladder. And he hit that slump, and I think he only really won. I think he's gone like one and four, something like that. I think it's something a lot of fighters experience. Um, we've seen it with even guys as big as Conor McGregor. We've seen that Conor McGregor has maybe won what he's like one in one and four. I think in his last few fights, he lost to he lost to Habib, lost to Dustin twice, beat Cerrone, um, lost to Mayweather of course uh, in boxing, and you know now he's fighting Chandler and. You know, we'll see, depends. I think that is probably the best fight for Connor right now. But it's those things where, you know, these guys hit these slumps um, and you get worried, right? Because, you know, you can see a guy, they go two real ways. Either they can do like what, um, you know, someone like uh, Jones does. Uh, you know, Jones lost to Matt Amel um, for some weird reason. <laughs> and then we'll see, right, Jones is a bad example, actually. Let's give me a better Okay, Corey Sandhagen. That's a better example. Corey Sandhagen lost to, I believe it was Aljamain Sterling, and then came back and is now on a fucking ridiculous streak. It's one of those things where you can either get, you either get back and you just get so much better and so much stronger, like a Sandhagen. Now he's fighting Cheeto Vera in a, a couple of months, I think. 
or whether even this was, I don't remember. But one point is, is those slumps, you know, it sometimes takes time. Um, you have a guy kind of struggle, and then it's like, accomplish them, it clicks, something clicks in them. Or you can go the way of someone like uh, a Brendan Sharp, and just kind of never really recapture any kind of potential that you may have had to begin with. In this case, it's always sad, and it's always worrying to see a fight lose, you know. Obviously, recently with Kamara Usman, you kind of get really scared that, what if they don't recover? That slump is always something that I think, it doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are, that slump that slump can always get you. Um, not just time off, not just having a loss, but it, it's always this thing where it's like, any single second you could lose. Any single fight could be your last. And I think it's always scary to see someone who, especially someone like Kamara, or even John Jones, now that he's taking his three years off, who was so dominant, now come back, and it's almost like, can they do it again? Are they, is is that loss, is that time off, is that, you know, broken leg with Connor? is that going to be the thing that just puts the end to them? Are they then going to go down the way of a Darren Till and just never really cover, and then a couple of years will get cut, and we'll never really see them rise to that greatness again, that potential will be lost, and... That's always a scary thing in MMA. I think that's part of why it worries me a little bit about the issue with pay and issue with healthcare. Um, I think it's Francis Ngannou is a little worried, and it's like I said, thing. But like, that can happen to anyone on the card, and if that happens to a champion, like for example, for a Kamara Usman, you know, he has the money that if that is the end, he could probably bounce off to some stuff and kind of make enough to you know keep him going for a few more years. But if that happens to a guy. On the rise, you know, with guys outside the top 15, that could be a serious career ender. And that could leave him fucking broke working regular job at, you know, a retail shop. I guess my point here is I think while these comeback stories can be truly inspirational and truly some of the most uh, incredible things you've ever seen in MMA, they can also be really tragic. And... Some of my personal, and I'll get a little bit into some of my personal favourites, and some of my my most upsetting, it's part of the game. And I think that's some of that, like, someone like Dana who doesn't fight, it's not anymore. Um, I think he ever really, I think he fought in boxing a little bit, but, you know, guy who doesn't do that day in and day out. And seeing these guys go through all that, like, just must be the most horrible thing ever. I feel like I'm making no points now. Um, let's just, let's move along. Um, you could probably tell I'm quite rusty at this, as it's been, like, over a month. Uh, so, let's talk about some of my favourite comebacks. Let's just keep it a little lighter, a little lighter. Uh, you're gonna call me a casual, and I'm gonna bring him up all the time, because he was the guy who got me into mixed martial arts. I think a lot of people, from the last, probably a lot of people, a lot of people my age, this was the fight that got us in. Um, not the fighter we see as our favourite, but the fighter that made us start watching, and that is Connor. Um, and you know, as much shit as we give Connor now, and Connor is not the the Connor he used to be. There is something so. Just, inspirational a little bit, you know. He went on that streak. He beat Aldo. He beat Alvarez. He beat Mendez. He beat um, Ray that first time, uh, and then you see him go against someone like Nate Diaz, who. That man is, is fucking scary. Win or lose, Nate Diaz is always a fucking zombie of a man. But seeing him get his loss to Nate Diaz, that fight, seeing Connor just... Who, at that point, looked arguably looked untouchable. Um, and seeing him lose for the first time, at least the first time that I can remember in 
the UFC, it's kind of, it's crazy. Um, and that is something that, for me, like, I remember the build-up for, for Diaz, McGregor 2, and it was kind of this, like, you were almost sort of like, can he, can, can he do it? You know, will he do it? You know, Nate exposed Connor's issue. He has a gas, he had, a, he has a gas tank issue. If you take him long enough, if you take him two, three rounds, his punches become weaker, you get to just grapple him. I think going into that Diaz 2 fight, and that fight really built, lived up to, to what I was expecting. But you can kind of see the, the, what's the word? You can see the way Connor snapped into that hungry face. I think that's, that's another thing I think with a lot of these comeback stories is, is that hunger. Which, you know, I'll circle back. But using Connor as an example of, of that guy, you know, at that point he wasn't, he was he was rich. He was already like the richest guy in the in the UFC, but he wasn't he wasn't the Connor now. He was still a Connor who has something to prove. I think that loss really humbled him. I think if he'd have beat Diaz that first time, we would have seen a Habib situation far earlier with a far less skilled guy. But I think that humbling it kind of ignited that fire that I think we kind of have lost now with Connor, or at least I, I hope I worry we may have. Um. And seeing that hungry Connor, and seeing that fire, that I think in that first DS fight we kind of lost a little bit. Um, it's it's that hunger and that drive that makes the fighter come back, that gives you the strength to do something like that. Because it's coming back's hard. You know, seen you know the battle you can name Till, uh, Sharp, um, Ferguson, even recently Ferguson. You know, these guys who, you take one bad hit and it's just downhill. And as much heart and drive you can have, that hunger, that, that fire inside of you might never burn as bright. And that's the defining factor for that, I think. Um, and, you know, seeing Connor come back, beat Diaz the second time. And then, of course, we know how Connor's story goes. He got super rich, even richer than anything. And then he did the Mayweather fight and that just kind of left him... I don't know. I think that took a little bit. I think we lost a little bit of Connor in, in that fight. And then obviously came up for the Habib fight. Habib beat him as we all thought he would. Davis is to Dustin twice, gets knocked out for the first time, then he breaks his leg, and now we're looking at a Chandler fight, which I, I, I honestly not sure if Connor can beat Chandler. I don't know what Connor we're getting. I don't think we're going to get the Connor we want. I think Chandler, as, a stup- as, as, as low of a fight IQ as Chandler has, um, he's still a really great wrestler, and he is a guy who will just keep throwing you around. And I just don't know if Connor, if Connor's enough, right now. Again, we haven't seen him post the Poirier fights, and Poirier is, you know, he's one of the top five guys currently in lightweight, and you know, him and Connor is is, is a, a tailor's all the time. I just don't know, and obviously we've seen Dustin beat Chandler, so now we're seeing the case, but I just I just don't know if he's got him. I don't know if that hunger is there anymore for Connor. I don't know if it's an ego thing, or if we're really going to see that hungry Connor like we used to, because Connor doesn't have as much to lose anymore, I think. He's a guy who, you know, when he had the Diaz lost, that he was rich, but he was never, he wasn't at a point where everyone was, he was at that kind of wavering point. He, I think he was double-champed by that point, and it was just... It was it was something in him, um, that he doesn't. I just don't see it anymore. Like seeing him come back to tough, you can tell it's just there's something there's something there's something not there. 
Um, but for another another example of of that fire, I guess, is is Michael Bisping uh, versus Luke Rockhold, where he beat him with one eye. On that light, just just seeing a fire go from I think at that point I don't know if Bisping had, I can't remember Bisping record around that time, but I remember him be kind of not being considered as much of a as arguably one of the best that he is now. He's considered a, a legit you know guy you know before Anderson Silva. Um, I think the Luke Rockhold fight for me as another example of, of seeing that fire and seeing how that fire makes a fighter better, how that fire is what gives the fighter the second chance. Um, Kamara Usman, we're going to see that. I think Kamara's got it. I think from the way he lost, I think from the way he talks about it, I think that fire is there. I think Kamara will do it. But in the other side, I don't think Izzy can beat Pereira. I think Izzy's found his trump card in Pereira, who Izzy can have all the fire he wants, but he's not going to be that perfect. Um, and that sucks. You know, those are the two most contemporary examples. Usman, who's fighting Edwards, who is kind of his Pereira. But he knows he can beat him, and I think he's got enough of that fire and enough in there that he can beat him. But I think for Izzy, it's become more of an ego thing. Like he can't get past Pereira, and I think unless he's complete, unless he's perfect, unless he's a hundred percent the best Izzy we've ever seen, I don't think that fire is going to be enough to carry Izzy the same way that fire will be enough to carry Usman. If that makes sense, um, yeah. So, I think uh, that's enough rambling for today. <laughs> and we're trying to sort of concisely put my, my actual points to in this last five or so minutes. Um, yeah, so first of all, uh, the issue with the UFC is just a simple thing of, of Dana's ego and love of money is conflicting with a lot of fighters' um, wishes and a lot of kind of what fighters want, you know, for, better for them. I think there is a chance... Um, we might get a, a alteration of the Ali Act, which is what's made boxing both great for fighters and terrible for audiences. Hopefully, if they adapt that to MMA, it can kind of fix some of the tweet, tweet fix some of the issues and, and create a far better system that works for everybody. So Daddy Dana makes money, the fighters make money, and the audiences have a good time. Um, yeah, in terms of then, obviously my second point, I guess, about uh, comebacks and fighters going on slumped and how that kind of affects their career. I think it's one of the things where that's fighting takes a certain kind of person. Um, most people couldn't be a fighter. It is it, it, it's someone who's never really fought in the ring. It looks fucking terrifying, and I just yeah. And I think for that, I think there's a certain yeah, there's a certain certain power in it. And I think even fighters who who are seen as, as as shit by a lot of fans, you know, that takes a lot to get in there. And those guys who probably kill the average man on the street. My point is that, that that fire is what drives a fighter. You know, they talk all the time about their fire, their motivation, their this, their that. I think that's what makes them come back or fail, is whether that drive and that, like, that hunger inside of them is strong enough to just push them past any kind of flaw they have. Um, and you'll see some examples being guys like Michael Wisping, Conor McGregor, even DC after DC's lost to, to Jones. Both his losses to Jones. It's that what's defined. But I think it's something that Darren Till maybe lost. He kind of got stuck in his own head and his mindset became less about I can do this to how the fuck do I make it? I think for fighters, it's a, it seems it seems like a, a grueling and horrible world. And I think some guys sink and some guys swim. 
and that's not a bad thing. You know, maybe it's just finding a space. Maybe Darren Till can come back in five or so years, takes his time, goes to a small organization, and just builds his way back up. Um, and it's never, it's never too late. It's never too late for a comeback. You know, guys like Joel Romero, Joel, Joel, remember, uh, Joel Romero, and Daniel Cormier. You know, started pretty late, but have become legends. And finally, just my point for this week in general. Um, you know, there's a, you know, not everyone can be the greatest, but there is a, there is always a place for someone. Um, every fighter is worth all the respect in the world. And I think anyone who steps into that cage is beyond respected. Uh, win, lose or draw, like that is an incredible thing to do. And I can't commend that enough. So, brings us to the end of this week's episode, this week's, this episode uh, of the show. Hopefully we'll be able to get more consistent with episodes um, going forward. Um, I have a couple of ideas for some episodes. Um, this was kind of more of a, a tangented, rambling episode, so I hope it makes sense. Um, I hope you can actually understand some of the things I'm saying and not just a bunch of jarbled nonsense. Uh, next few episodes that I've got planned, I've got one or two planned that hopefully will be a little bit more concise, a little bit more formative, a little bit more professional. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, I hope you guys have a great day. And um, yeah, I should hopefully you'll hear from me soon. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at the Knockout FM, all lowercase. And there you can kind of get updates, post some fun video clips, you know, have a general good time uh, with that. And yeah, anyway, uh, see ya. Every ounce of training you put in leading up to this fight will be a waste of your life.